Miller, lovely cushion header. Bajero! Oh, you beauty! What a headshot! What a headshot! Toyota! Hi everyone, welcome back to the Beyond the Gaffer podcast, and you're probably wondering, this is a little bit different to the usual intro that we're used to from Cadge, but it's just me today, and we're doing something a little bit different, so as you may know, I love FPL to levels that are just beyond what a normal person would be used to and I really wanted to do FPL content this season so I'm really excited to be doing some FPL stuff hopefully we'll go through the season journey together um, for this 21-22 season hoping to do some regular content where we look at the game weeks um, and we look at teams and potential transfers but before the season started I really wanted to to do some some content around you know how to get a good start in FPL and I know everyone is busy and excited tinkering away with their teams so we've got nine days to go to the FPL season so I thought it would be a good chance to try and impart some of my wisdom um, I hope to the rest of you who, who are looking to have a really good season this season you know win your work mini leagues or your mini leagues with your mates and you know yeah like I said get a good start to the FPL season and we've not got long now um, until the season kicks off like you I am super excited yeah let's get straight into it you know some background about me because you're probably like why should I be listening to FPL advice from this guy I've been playing this game for this will be my 16th season so I started playing the game when I was 10 obviously uh, you know I'm, I'm not the uh the astute manager that I am now but I'd like to think that I I know how to do well in this game I think the beauty of this game is that there's no one way to play it and to do well and to win essentially you know your mini leagues etc but at the same time there is a there is a level of skill and consistency really is the key to doing well in the game so Hopefully I can impart some good wisdom on you. I've been playing, I'd say, seriously for the last four seasons. Um, so just to give you an idea of some of my rank, 2018-19, I finished 11,000 in the world. 2019-20, I finished 27,000 in the world. And last season wasn't as good a season for me, but I finished 48,000 in the world. So hopefully this season, I'm really trying to push for that top 10,000 um, rank. So we'll go through this journey together and we'll see how we get on. So... Straight into it, how to start well in FPL. Now, from my experience, a lot of my mates are always so excited going into game week one. You know, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do really well this season. And I know straight away, these guys are not the ones that are committed through the game. They'll give up around game week five because the temperament is not there. And, you know, they haven't got the consistency that's needed. And just some sort of basic, you know, some basic sort of things that you need to do to make sure that you've got a good start because... What tends to happen is that most people play the game for a couple weeks, you know, have a couple bad weeks in a row and then get annoyed and then just give up. So hopefully with some of these tips, this will give you a better idea of how to get a solid start and then that will give you the foundation to kick on and then hopefully finish really well. So let's get straight into it. Firstly, picking nailed players. This is really important. It might seem obvious, but I've seen it time and time again in drafts that, you know, some of my friends send me or just teams that I just see dotted around where you're picking players that 
aren't really, you know, you don't know if they're going to play or not, or their rotation risks, so obviously we know Man City is a fantastic team, but the problem is, with their team especially, is that they have so many options in in key positions that you might end up picking players that that aren't going to play and that you can't trust you can play. And especially if you want a good start, you want to make sure you've got 11 players that you know will guaranteed play 90 minutes and get you the points to, to get you a solid score. So definitely you want to be avoid avoiding players that are rotation risks. Injuries are also a big thing. We know there's a group of players that are just typically injury prone and they'll be around for, you know, they might play a couple games but the time will hit where they have a bad injury and then they're out for a you know out for a couple of weeks. I mean a good example of this is Tierney. Great player. We know on his day if he gets a if he gets a good run good run of minutes, um he can deliver assists, he can deliver goals, clean sheets. But for me, he's he's someone that you can't, he's not reliable because his his injury record says otherwise. So you want to you want to be making sure you hit players that are playing ninety minutes every week. Another thing with this is I tend to avoid unproven players as well. So we've got obviously got three promoted teams coming up. We've got Watford, Norwich, and Brentford. We've got some great options from those teams at, at good prices as well. But typically, I try and avoid promoted players at the start because. We don't know how they're going to adapt to the Premier League. Brentford, never been in the Premier League before. Obviously, they had a great season in the Championship, but do we know if that can translate into Premier League form? So I think it's good, in in my opinion, to wait and see how they, how they get settled in. There are obviously some exceptions to that rule, and I think a good one in this case would be um, Ivan Tony, who is a brilliant player i mean 31 goals last season in the championship we we obviously know he's a terrific striker and in that sort of case i would be tempted to take a punt on him if if you if you like him he's at a good price six and a half million he's on penalties you know he's going to play 90 minutes week in week out and that goes back to my point about picking nail players so in that sort of situation I would say, you know, it might be worth taking a punt on him. Personally, I don't know if I'll be going with him or not, but gen the general rule is avoid injury-prone players, avoid rotation risks, and avoid unproven players. Right, next one. I see this also a lot. Make sure you plan beyond game week one. So a lot of the teams I see, you know, they look great on paper for game week one, but there isn't really much thought in mind beyond game week one. And obviously, this is going to be your team not only for the start, but for the foreseeable future. And you only get one transfer every week. So let's not forget, you get transfers. You can obviously chop and change your team. But ideally, in you want a team that, that that's going to give you a good start for the first four game weeks. And that's what I aim for. So the best thing, obviously, to do is to look at the fixtures and have a look who's got, you know, a good fixture or a solid set of fixtures for the first couple game weeks. So, for example, Aston Villa have got fantastic set of three fixtures. They play Newcastle, Watford and Brentford, two promoted teams and Newcastle, who I support. But, you know, it, it's a good fixture, right? So in that example, I think that, you know, it's not a bad way to go to start with some Villa players. But on the other hand, someone like Crystal Palace have got really tricky fixtures to start. So, you know, if you're a fan of Zaha, for example, I know they've made some good signings, but you want to be looking beyond game week one and you want to have a solid team where you can avoid sort of making unnecessary transfers for the first few game weeks anyway. So that will set you up nicely. Once we have a good idea of who started well, then we can make those transfers when we need to. Right, next one, and I think this is a really big one, is staying flexible. The start of the season 
everyone has the same information. We don't know anything. We don't know what's about to unfold in the season. All we've got is pre-season, essentially. Um, some transfers that might have happened, and, and that's about it, really. So I think it's important that we stay flexible because in your head, obviously, you, you've got an idea of who are the good players and who's going to do well, but you don't know until how until things unfold. So it's really important that you stay flexible. And when I say that, I mean be open to making transfers, but not only that, have have the facility to make transfers within your squad. So this comes down to the point around price points. So price points are making sure that your 100 million budget is essentially spread across your squad as evenly as possible. So you could have Kane, Vardy, Aubameyang up front, right? Great attack on paper, but that's what? 12.5 million, 10 million, 10 million. You, you've used 32.5 million off the rip on three players of a squad of 15. So you want to make sure you sort of distribute your budget evenly, but not only that, be able to make transfers that will allow an easy move um, between the players that you have. So let's say, for example, you've got Kevin De Bruyne in your midfield along with Salah. So you've got 12.5 and a 12 million, but then the next midfielder in your team is 6 million for Ismail Assar. Uh, let's say... Kai Havertz does really well. He's eight and a half million. Now, you don't really want to be selling Salah and De Bruyne in your team. But then you've got to think, how am I going to go? How am I going to get to Havertz from Saar? You need to find two and a half million. So this is where the point comes down to is my golden rule is you want to be within one transfer of any player in the game. So that will allow you essentially to jump on and off of players that are doing well without having to take hits. So starting with a player, for example, like Son, could be a good way to go because he's at 10 million. Then say, for example, someone like Foden starts to do well or Havertz, like I said, then it's an easy switch. That's one transfer. You're going from 10 million to a player who's 8 million, 8.5 million, etc. And you want to have that sort of price point, I think, across all three positions. So defense, midfield and attack. Goalkeeper, I would avoid changing because keepers tend to sort of revert to a mean in terms of points. There's not really much difference between a six million pound goalkeeper and a four and a half million pound goalkeeper, but you want to be hitting price points in defense, midfield and attack that will allow you to make transfers easily between players that may potentially do well in the future. So like that example I said with Havertz, if you start with someone like Son, for example, that will allow you an easy transfer to Havertz rather than say, for example, your next, your third midfielder was Son, I'm sorry, Saar, who's 6 million, you're going to have to find 2.5 million from somewhere, which means a big downgrade in another position and an extra transfer. So staying flexible is massive. Also, important one, most of the transfers happen at the start of the season. Everyone is active in the game. Prices are going to be moving like crazy. The market is extremely volatile, so it's very important as well. I don't think necessarily that you need to do this, but... It, it is handy to have some money in the bank. So at most, I would say try and keep 0.5 million pounds in the bank, just because, like I said, someone inevitably will start very well that you just haven't got on your team. And then that will give you the flexibility to move on to them quickly rather than having to either use points or save another transfer to get them later on. And then by the time you know it, you're priced out of them. So flexibility is so key, especially at the start of the season. Right. Next one. 
captaincy options. Captains, I think, are so underrated in this game, and you really need to make sure you're nailing your captains every week. And I say this when I speak to, you know, my friends and other people in FPL, there's a reason why the most expensive players are priced in the game the way they are. It's because they're reliable captain options, they're reliable players in the game, and they're players that you can captain every week and know that you're gonna get a solid return out of them. Of course, you're free to captain whoever you want, but captaining someone like Pepe, for example, I, I don't know why I'm picking on Arsenal players here specifically, but Pepe, you know, he's a good player, but you don't know what you're going to get out of him every week. Whereas someone like Mo Salah, he's quality. There's a reason why he is the top point scorer in fantasy, I think for the last three seasons, and I think it was Fernandez last season, but he was very close because he's a reliable captaincy option. So you want to, I'd say you want to make sure you have at least two of Salah, Bruno, KDB, um, Kane, Son, potentially if you can add that into the mix as well, and and Mane. So you know every week you've got someone you can put the armband on and you're going to get a solid return out of them. Captains can make or break a game week as well. You know, the rest of your team can do bad, but if you nail a captain, that's it. That saved your game week. And that was so evident last season with Salah in game week one versus Norwich. Two goals, I think he got an assist as well. Three bonus points. He ended up on a 20-pointer. If you didn't captain him, you know, then you lose out on another 20 points that that could easily have propelled you up up the league and now I think that was a very obvious captain choice but I've seen it time and time again where people aren't picking you know these good players who who are priced you know they're priced that way for a reason because they are the best players in the game so make sure you've got good captaincy options every game week that you can rely on next one trust the players that you've picked I think Sometimes, you know, we put too much emphasis on small data samples that we have. So let's say we get three weeks down the line and you've got Danny Ings in your team. He hasn't scored, you know, he might have got an assist in the first game and he hasn't scored in the next two games. And you're looking at someone else like, I don't know, for example, Pookie. He started really well. He scored two goals, maybe got an assist in another game. And you're looking at Ings, they're like, I've paid eight million for this guy. He's not really done anything yet. Should I be, you know, should I be switching to Pookie? And and I'd say, yeah, of course, there, there will be the instance where someone inevitably in ridiculous form and you want to jump on those sort of players. But you've picked these players on your team for a reason. You've looked at the fixtures. You've looked at the team as a whole. And you know that there will be returns for this player. So trust in what you've picked. Don't make rash transfers. And like I said, small data samples can be very misleading. Again, I'm going to pick on Arsenal. But this happened last season. Willian got two assists in the first game week, right? You're sitting there thinking. And I saw it firsthand because I knew this was going to happen. Everyone's jumping on Willian. Oh, he, he's on all the set pieces. Two assists. The Arsenal have got good fixtures. It just makes sense, right? But we know Willian is no longer the FPL asset that he was before. He's not the player that he was before. And that was really just, you know, a flash in the pan. And of course, he doesn't do anything for the next five game weeks. He doesn't. He loses his place in the team. And this is what happens when you get sucked into small data samples. Of course, early on in the season, we don't really have much information to work with. And you can, you know... It, it might be difficult to, to jump on great players. Make transfers by all means, but don't make rush transfers and trust in the players that you've picked. Right, we're getting there. We're getting to the end. I was hoping to try and keep it to 20, 25 minutes, so I think we're in good time. Second to last point, don't be afraid to wild cold early. And this is kind of contradictory to what I said before, 
but at the same time I think very quickly you can also see players that are emerging and that are gonna do well and this could be the game changer for your season now for me I always try and aim to wildcard between game week three and game week seven purely because like I said before the market is extremely volatile and if you don't get on some of these players early you can lose out massively in terms of building value and that goes hand in hand with a wild card wild card is extremely valuable early on for building team value which is good for your wild card later on um, and playing bench boost in your other chips and getting on the players early that you think are going to do well now if we look at the fixtures right now, I think City, Chelsea, for example, haven't got the best of fixtures. So I think most of their sort of players and their assets are, are more low. There's low ownership on them at the moment, but there will be a time where we'll want these sort of players. And that's where the wildcard presents that opportunity. Looking at the fixture swings, looking at the opportunities where players, you know, are, are going to have a good run of fixtures. And we think that's where they're going to start doing well. That's when you should be looking to wildcard. And don't look at it as a defensive play. Look at it as an aggressive play, an opportunity to to make up more points than some of, you know, some of your competitors and your other players who are holding their wildcard. So as, as much as I said, don't be rash with your transfers, I think it's also not a bad strategy and something I definitely look to do is be aggressive with a wildcard and get on players early. A good example of this was Emmy Martinez, who turned out to be an unbelievable player in fantasy last season i got him at 4.5 million i think he ended the season on something like 5.4 5.5 which is ridiculous and this guy turned out to be an incredible player for his value i mean he was getting double digit returns for fun and i saw that i saw that very early on that he would be a very good player to get on early and for me that was worth wildcarding at that time obviously not just for him obviously those other players i was looking at but it's spotting these opportunities and that's what makes or breaks you know a good fpl player to seek out and and identify those players that are gonna do well in the future and that's when you make the most of your wild card so yeah definitely don't be afraid to use your wild card and finally I, I i mean i hope this is obvious but i definitely feel like a lot of people go in with this mindset that fpl is not won in the first game week a lot of people are trying to be too maverick, I think, with their teams and, you know, trying to be too clever, you know, putting in this player or that player. It's not one in the first game week. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I know these are all obvious things, but I think consistency key to doing well in this game. So go in with the mindset that even if you have a bad game week, you have a bad couple game weeks, you can always come back and make it up later in the season. I hope that has been helpful. This has been my first solo podcast. I've really enjoyed recording this. And like I said, hopefully I'll look to do more FPL content in the future. Just a little plug for me. I have a Twitter account that's dedicated for FPL. So if you do want to follow me on there, make sure you do. It's at FPL underscore TT on Twitter. Um, I post, you know, some tips and some helpful advice. Kind of take more of a Newcastle stance um, just because Newcastle is the team that I love. But I always post my game week, um, you know, my, my fantasy teams and any advice that I think is useful for people. And just getting involved in the FPL community has definitely served me well anyway. So if that's something you might be interested in, make sure um, you get involved on Twitter over there. And as always, make sure you follow us boys at BTG underscore pod 
on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. And hopefully I'll try and get Dylan and Kaj involved um, in the FPL content later on in the season. Dylan, again, is an, is an avid FPL player as well. So I'm sure that's definitely something you're interested in. Kaj, not so much, but it'd be really good to get him involved as well. Now we're doing some FPL podcasts too. So I hope you found that useful. Um, tried to keep it not too long, but I'll be back with some more content soon. See you later.